0: the courtroom
1: all rise.
0: to the tabloids welcome to all rise all
1: rise swears to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth your host dylan howard hattie whack whitey bulger the ruthless and untouchable mafia hitman is no more murdered inside a federal prison The Boston gangster, the victim of a grisly assault inside his prison cell. Plus, Megan Kelly and NBC, it's all out war. Will she be able to resurrect her career? We'll have the very latest. I'm Megan Kelly, and I want to begin with two words. I'm sorry. What began as a slow-motion exit from NBC News has seemingly turned into an all-out legal battle. First, Megan Kelly's 9am show was cancelled last week amid a controversy over blackface and racism. Because, because so truly, you do get in trouble if you are a white person who puts on black yes, face yes. on Halloween, or a black person who puts on white face yes. for Halloween. Like I, back, okay, back when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing me, up as mark. like a character. This, despite the fact that Megan Kelly has a contract and a multi-million dollar contract through 2020. Now, her lawyer Brian Friedman is talking about the case publicly, and is accusing NBC of leaking against his client. Friedman upped the ante on Wednesday with this statement. He said, quote, Despite my efforts to handle this process confidentially, NBC News is allowing the media to run with completely false and irresponsible reports that disparage Megan by erroneously claiming she has ever asked for more money than her contract requires. He went on to say... If NBC News is not the source, then they have a responsibility as a news division to correct these false claims. Joining me on the line is attorney Richard Roth, a expert who has represented many corporations, privately held businesses, CEOs, along with celebrities, athletes, and many other professional sports organizations. Richard Roth, This seemingly has turned into an all-out brawl between the Kelly camp and NBC.
0: It has, and and I don't know if you know. Be careful what you wish for. I don't know if NBC really wants to have this fight with Megyn Kelly. Uh, Megyn Kelly, notwithstanding the recent news, has a lot of followers, has a lot of pull. NBC has, uh, has, uh, Brian Williams has been uh, kicked out. Matt Lauer has been kicked out. It has a litigation, which I'm actually involved in with Questlove, the drummer and lead uh, band member for The Tonight Show. So NBC uh, may not want to get into this fight as to its policies and practices.
1: So what is Megyn Kelly asking for?
0: Well, listen. If they want to terminate her and they claim they're using the morals clause to actually do so, they can do it. But the big question is whether or not what she did was sufficient enough for them to do so. Therefore, uh, she—if she, she, it was not, she was not terminated for cause, and she'd been entitled to all the money under her contract. Or if it was, then there should be a negotiation going on. She received seventy-six million dollars. She was getting so. What she's saying is, listen, you want to terminate me, go ahead. But I think what she's saying really is this has nothing to do with what I said, the blackface comment. This really has to do with the fact that your ratings are down, and therefore you're using that as an excuse. And I don't know who knows the truth, uh, but certainly uh, it is not anyone's best interest to have this go public, I think particularly NBC's. She is a – she will be, I believe, a sought-after person. Uh, Let's not forget how short – the memories are of Americans and, and the people in general. Brian Williams not long ago was uh, it was an investigation in connection with his uh, telling mistruths. And now he's re- leading one of the most popular shows at 11 p.m. called The 11th Hour on MSNBC. So he's back. So I don't know if NBC wants to fight this fight because Mike and Kelly will be back. The question is where and when.
1: That's interesting because I don't tend to think that she will be back. My concern is for her that she was a very popular figure at Fox News. She seemingly deviated from the right to somewhat liberal views and an advocate of the Me Too movement with NBC. I'm not sure where she would end up. That's the cold, harsh, perhaps financial reality for Meghan Kelly, yeah, you're
0: you're right, but we are talking about an extremely bright, extremely sophisticated, extremely personable, and 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 very much in demand woman. I, she is not to mention, she's beautiful, so she does have a big following, and I think that NBC may be realizing that that her place was not to be put on nine nine a.m. after a talk show and interviewing people on non controversial issues really she was not as much in the public scene as she was on at Fox and i think that they're realizing their ratings are not shooting up as they expected to. So you're right. Where will she end up? Uh, does Fox want her back? Uh, I've got a lot of people that follow her. Does she go back to the political scene or does she stay in the scene she's in right now? My guess is Fox is going to say this is someone to pick up because she'd have a tremendous following.
1: Now, i want to ask this question of you, Richard. We've talked about her failing ratings, and perhaps that might well be, in part, some motivation for NBC to want to fire Megan Kelly. However, I've worked in broadcast television. You don't go on the air without the network knowing what you're going to say. And NBC Universal has a division called Legal and Standards. They are lawyers and ethical experts and journalists that pore over Every script that is to be said, they're not my words. They're Megan Kelly's own words to Us Weekly. This is what she said when asked the single hardest thing about being in morning TV. She told Us Weekly, quote, I would say it's the difference between cable and network that has taken some getting used to. NBC has a group called Legal and Standards. We have the lawyers and ethical experts pour over every script. All those guest packets that I get, they get them too. They go over them first and make sure we're okay legally. And you can't say this and you can't say that. Does Megan Kelly have an argument, Richard Roth, that the network well indeed knew what she was going to say?
0: Well, uh, what she said is, is very true. But what happens in a lot of these scripts, because they are all... Interviews. You don't know exactly what the interviewee is going to say, so it's pretty clear that what she said about blackface historically was was off script. That would never been approved by legal. So the issue that uh, the issue then is this is not something that was approved. And the question really is, um, is it something that NBC um, has a basis? To, a legal question, not political. Is is it sufficient to give NBC a basis to terminate her for cause? Or is it an excuse NBC's using to terminate her for cause? That's what's that's what's going on behind the scenes right now. And and I think they're both saying, NBC and Megyn Kelly are saying, we don't want to engage in that fight. So how much money can we give her to not have that be an issue? And and, and my, my gut is that what she said was not on script. It would never have been uh, ruled on. And that's what happened many times when you're interviewing and she was talking about uh, the Halloween costumes. She went off script and what she said – was deplorable, and the question is: Was it bad enough to trigger that four cost termination?
1: My final question to you: The discussion about a potential non-disclosure agreement for listeners—that would be a legally binding contract that would prevent Megan Kelly from discussing her tenure at NBC or any perhaps confidential information that she may have learned about its executives, its on-air staff or the network as a whole, is Megan Kelly likely to sign that as part of an exit agreement? Or do you think she will fight tooth and nail for the right to be able to potentially criticize the network?
0: Yeah, and and that, you hit the nail on the head. And the answer to that question is it depends what they're willing to pay here. Megyn Kelly obviously knows a lot about the network and its runnings, which is not public. Could it be that their senior executives were engaged in sexual harassment? Could it be about Matt Lauer? Could it be about Jimmy Fallon? Could it be about anyone? We don't know. Could it be what happened to her and how they treated her? We don't know, but we do know that it's it's something it's uh, there's enough there for NBC not to say you're fired for a cause get out of here we're not paying you but for mbc to say you know what maybe we should shut her up and essentially the, when these agreements are signed they are essentially to release the network and shut the person up so the answer is if the the answer to your immediate question is if the number is high enough she may very well sign it um she may want to stand on principle, say I'm not signing anything. But if they offer her an outrageous dollar amount, then she may say, fine, I'll keep it quiet. That is also very much in the mix of the negotiations as we speak.
1: Richard Roth, thank you very much for joining me. Terrific analysis as always. A fascinating story, the demise and potential sequel of The Rise Again of Megan Kelly. Richard Roth, thank you very much for joining me on All Rise. Thank you very much for having me. All right, coming up next, who killed Whitey Bolger? New details emerge on the possible attacker and how he was murdered inside a federal prison with, quote, a lock in the sock. A mafia hitman is eyed. We'll have the very latest next. Breaking news. He was the inspiration for Jack Nicholson's character in Martin Scorsese's The Departed. Whitey Bulger, one of the most notorious gangsters in American history, murdered inside a high-security federal prison in West Virginia. The notorious mob boss killed in such a heinous way that his attackers tried to cut out his tongue. Joining me on the line is a friend of the program, Larry Lawton, who has previously been in prison himself and was arrested in 1996 in connection with organised crime and jewellery heist robberies that sentenced him to 144 months in federal prison. He's now out, his life turned around, but he has a tremendous insight into what would have gone on to see James Whitey Bolger murdered. Larry Lawton, from your side of things, how was an 89-year-old federal prisoner killed under government watch?
2: Well, you know, there was a lot of mistakes here made, uh, Dylan, and, and I do have a lot of insight. As your listeners might know, I was in federal prisons just like he was, Mac security prisons, and understand the politics and everything that goes on. And the problem with this whole case, and, and uh, this guy, Whitey Bolger, was a, a piece of garbage. I want to get that straight. He wasn't respected on the criminal end or respected on, obviously, the free world or the civilian end as people in my private life.
1: And I think it's important to understand that, Larry. The reason he wasn't respected on the criminal side was because he was perceived to be a rat, somebody who turned informant and was indeed an informant for the FBI covertly for a number of years.
2: Oh, it wasn't perceived. He was. It's in documents and and, and tape recordings and everything else. And as a man who used to actually uh, investigate that by what I mean, pulling paperwork, understanding what the court says, what's actual testimony by not only people, even Whitey Bolger. He was a dead rat, so he's not perceived. And the problem in this whole case, Dylan, is this man – uh, went to a federal prison and how the system works. And I'm going to give your, your uh, listeners an insight. When a person gets transferred to another prison, they have to go what they call captain's review. The captain of a prison is the head of security. Obviously the warden is the, the overall in charge, but the captain heads up security. So whenever a person goes on to a, a yard, they call it, or into the compound or general population, You have to go in front of a captain's review. I did it many times. When I was in maximum security prisons, I actually had to wait in the hole. They call it the special housing Mm -hmm. unit or SHU, or as most inmates will call it, is the hole. And you wait on the captain to evaluate your case. He will interview you. He will look into your jacket, see if you are a snitch, see if there's anybody else on that yard who might want to hurt you it could be gang members uh, 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 fighting gangs or warring gangs or in this case whitey bolger had uh freddie geese on that yard and freddie geese was part of the uh, uh irish mob up in the boston area so freddie geese had nothing to lose and they knew this he was killed within three hours he got on that yard 12 hours three hours on
1: this is yep. what gets me how silly how stupid Are the authorities at that prison, at Brewston, that they would allow this mobster to go into the general prison population knowing that there were enemies?
2: You know, uh, not only stupid, total negligence. And I I personally believe there's more to it. And I think they, they sentenced him to death. They put him out there knowing he wouldn't last. We are talking about a very violent prison. Maximum security federal prisons. This is a big uh, misnomer out in the, in the free world. People would say, "Oh, I'd rather go to a federal prison than a state prison." That's not true, in in light of maximum security prisons. And let me explain why. Because in a maximum security prison in in the feds, you have the worst of the worst. And here's the here's the difference between state and fed. If you're in a state prison and there is overcrowding or there's excess abuse or if they don't feed you right, the person in the fe- in the state prison will file what they call a federal writ, a federal lawsuit, in a way, to the federal courts trying to fix the problem. A federal judge, and it's been done many times, will order a prison to release inmates to fix the food problem or hold that warden in contempt and put him in jail. They're very strict about it. But when you're in federal prison— Dylan, where are they going to file to? A federal judge will never go against the federal prison because they, in, in in essence, they would be saying, I am sentenced the a person to a place that I know is wrong. Why would I do that? So they never go against the federal system unless it's so blatant and it's so political. And, and this case, I think, has gotten to the attention of people. One, they know the backstory and how the system works, Dylan, that captain of that facility and the warden should be held, not only, they should be held criminally liable. And I, am my opinion, is they should be sued. They should lose millions of dollars. And here's what the difference, what I believe. Whitey Bulger was a piece of garbage. They should give that money to his victims. Whatever he did wrong in this, and he's dead. That's over. In in, in essence, they saved the government a lot of money. They would have had to house them. They would have had to do his med- medical. They saved this, the government millions of dollars. And what they should do is give that millions of dollars to the victims of Whitey Bolt.
1: So the main suspect in this is, as you mentioned, Freddie Gass. He's a mafia hitman from Massachusetts. He's the prime suspect in the murder of this crime boss. You worked in organized crime. I want to try and dig a little bit deeper into this. Would it have been known that Whitey was moving to U.S. Penitentiary Hazelton? And this would have been set up or would it have been a random, here's my opportunity attack?
2: No, he was set up. And and what you said is very good. Uh, Like anything else, Dylan, the network of people coming from prisons and transfers. And uh, as I actually mentioned, you hide what they call a kite or a note. And what you do is you suitcase it. And if I went from one prison to another prison building, I could suitcase something. I've done it. Suitcasing and get your audience to understand that is when you hide something in your rectum, you actually put it in a cellophane or a toothbrush holder, you know, one half of a toothbrush holder, tape with masking tape, and you leave a note, a knife, drugs, anything you want in your rectum. You could transfer throughout the whole system. So people went from one prison to another prison. They knew Whitey Bulger was going to Hazleton. Not only did they know that, believe it, we had guards that would tell us what's going on, who is a snitch, check out their jacket. And we know what is going on in that prison, Dylan. So what would happen in this case, they knew he was coming. They knew what unit he was going to go to. So there was no question that this man was set up to be murdered in my mind.
1: What I don't get, though, is that Freddie Gates, the suspect in this murder, along with others, he was only tried and convicted along with his brother and their mafia boss, Arthur Negro, for a string of vicious murders in 2011. Whitey Bulge is 89 Whitey Bulger was on the run for 16 years. What's the connection between someone who was working in the mafia around 2010 to someone who wasn't an active member of the mafia in Whitey Bulger?
2: Well, in this case, it was about reputation. And I can only go back to the Sammy Gravano. Sammy the of was in the same case, but they put him in witness protection. And they, because everybody, and I knew people who didn't know him, and I knew him, but I knew people who didn't know him would have killed him for reputation. Freddie Geese had nothing to lose. He had a life sentence. The guys he was with, I'm sure, all had life sentences, and they don't care. Their credibility inside the system works well.
1: There's a touch of irony about this, that Whitey Bulger, who lived in plain sight for close to 16 years, In Santa Monica, all while being on the list of the FBI's 10 most wanted, a lifetime of crime and murder that seemingly ended with his arrest in 2011 and then to end up dying under the same circumstances to many that he shelled out to others.
2: You know, what well you said, Dylan, is so correct. I hear from a lot of people when this happened. Uh, the reason I, I am voicing my opinion and putting out the stuff is because there's a lot of misinformation going out there, how it happened, what, how, who's really capable. Obviously, you're right. I, I have no sympathy for what happened to him at all, and I've witnessed many of this. People used to say, well, when you're old, don't you get a pass? Absolutely not. In some cases, you're more vulnerable. There is no defense, because if you don't have your word, You you know internally you're a piece of garbage, and there's no way Whitey Bulger thought he was a good guy inside. He knew he was a scumbag, and he knew that he he stepped on a lot of people. He knew the violence that was going to confront him. He was a bad dude on the street. Don't let me wrong. That guy was a feared bad dude, but he was working both ends of the coin. If he didn't get you to kill you, he would tell the feds what you were doing. Hmm. so he he had uh, such a bad reputation there were people looking to kill him even if it wasn't freddie geese somebody would have killed him for a reputation just like they did with jeffrey Dahmer, in massachusetts a man who ate people he was on the yard and they killed him on the yard people don't understand the politics and how prison and the psyche of what goes on in prison dylan and in this case Obviously, I know all ends of it from the mob end to the to the prison end to the administration and why they messed up and why I believe it was a setup, why I believe nobody cared. And to this day, I don't think anybody, I think after this passes, nobody's going to care.
1: Well, what no, really... they do now know about the federal prison system because of people like you that are speaking up. I can get on this subject for a
2: long time, Dylan, because I think you and I understand that that our system is broke. You are right. The irony of this whole case and this whole thing has to be put on somebody. I don't think it should be swept under the rug. Was the man a scumbag? Absolutely. Does the man have any sympathy for me? No. But I think his victim should get any money that the prison system did to him.
1: I mean, that's the great irony of it. And, you know, it takes me back to the saying, an eye for an eye. And the paradox here being that many will celebrate and pop champagne at the death of Whitey Bulger. But... Beneath that lies a very serious issue, one which you're bringing to light. And, Larry Lawton, I want to thank you very much for joining us on All Rise.
2: Thank you, Dylan, and you're 100% right on what you just said, every every point, and we hope to bring the rise, and you're exactly right. Thanks
1: for having me, Dylan. The death of Whitey Bolger bringing an end to decades of mob rule on the streets of Massachusetts. This has been All Rise, Season 2, Episode 2. The only podcast with the guts to tell it like it is.